Welcome to The Organic Buzz, a podcast where reducing toxins and navigating the wellness culture meets intuitive eating and ditching diets. We will be deep diving into raw and honest conversations on navigating your health, your body, your entire life, not by how it looks, but by how it feels. I'm your host, Amanda Murphy, and I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor, therapist, yogi, aspiring beekeeper, and I'm super obsessed with a simplified, low-tox way of life. I'm here to help make low-tox, sustainable living simple, fun, and fitting for everyone and every budget. So let's dive in. Today we're going to talk about the marrying of intuitive eating and ditching diets while navigating the wellness industry and navigating a low-tox way of living. I want to take a look at what it looks like when you combine those two things or those handful of things together and also talk about how the wellness industry often is the diet industry in disguise or Another way to say it is how the wellness industry can actually perpetuate a lot of the same behaviors and ideas and thoughts and patterns that diet culture does and why it matters when we're talking about marrying intuitive eating and ditching diet culture when we are navigating you know, living a more sustainable, low-tox living and decreasing the toxic load that we are exposing our bodies to on a daily basis, it is important because we don't want to fall into those traps, into those behaviors and patterns of the wellness culture that are very similar to the diet culture. And then we might end up just foregoing the entire thing because we're we're feeling defeated, we're feeling restricted, we're, we're feeling in a way that we don't want to feel. So with all of that being said, there's a lot to unpack here. So buckle up, we're going to dive into it. I'm going to do my best to not get off on a tangent or to uh, go left or right. I'm really going to try to stay the course, but there's so much jam-packed around this subject that that's going to be challenging for me. And if you've listened to any and all of my podcast episodes, you know that uh, tangents are Amanda's favorite thing. Um, But we're going to be here for it all. So let's dive in. So first things first, as a certified intuitive eating counselor, as a professional in the intuitive eating world, I'm also a human who has gone through her own disorder eating relationship with food and had to navigate all of that. And I'm still navigating it. I've said this time and time again, that our journeys never end. And so I'm definitely still navigating all of this just like anybody else. Um, but we're going to discuss, discuss what it looks like. So I just wanted to put that little disclaimer out there that, you know, I'm learning all of this just like You are just like anybody else is and, you know, no two journeys are alike, but I definitely want to share my perspective from the perspective of a certified intuitive eating counselor. So 
If you're familiar with intuitive eating and the education on intuitive eating, you know that there are 10 principles. If it's very new to you, there are 10 principles in intuitive eating, the fundamentals of intuitive eating. The 10th principle is gentle nutrition. And there is some room around lately that I've been thinking that sometimes I think starting with principle 10, gentle nutrition, might do someone some service rather than proceeding with gentle nutrition, principle 10, at the end, the very last principle. And it definitely will vary from individual to individual. But why I think principle 10 is one of the most important is because it's kind of where the low tox living fits in. So gentle nutrition, principle number 10 of intuitive eating, basically in short states that we want to honor our body and how it feels. You know, we don't want to take nutrition and completely throw it out the window. We don't want to look at foods necessarily as good or bad or hold this very tight knit morality around food. So much so that certain foods bring us negative unwanted feelings like shame, guilt, anxiety, things like that. But we also, we do recognize that not all foods are created equal in their nutrient profile and in, in the amount of nutrition that they offer us. You know, all food pretty much offers some nutrition, but they're not all the same nutrition. I think we all can agree on that. So gentle nutrition, principle number 10, allows us to navigate honoring our body and how it feels and making sure that our body is getting the nutrition that it needs to feel its best. And I wholeheartedly believe that that is where low-tox living, organic living, sustainable living fits in. My low-tox lifestyle is just that. It is principle 10 of the intuitive eating fundamentals. It's honoring my body with gentle nutrition because all of these toxins that are in many of the products geared towards human consumption really don't leave my body feeling great. It actually leads my body to feel worse, to feel fatigued, to feel bloated, to feel achy, and it leads to a lot of potential illnesses and conditions that I don't want to live with. So for me, it's super easy to go ahead and fit in low-tox living in with gentle nutrition. My opinion, they go hand in hand. Now, where I think it gets tricky for a lot of people is this, um, I don't know what word I'm trying to find, but this wave of the wellness culture over the last several years as there's been an increase in the anti-diet community. You know, we're recognizing that diets are trash and that they're just not all they've ever been portrayed to be. They do a lot more harm than they ever do good. And they're actually not leading us to a healthier body or a healthier way of living. Actually, the quite opposite. But with that increase in us as a nation becoming more aware of the diet culture scams and what really is health and we start to navigate that, diet culture has had to pivot. Society has had to pivot because they they bank on us buying into diet culture, buying into our insecurities that they kind of trick us into thinking we have. And, you know, that's how they, they stay afloat. And so they've had to pivot. And 
in pivoting, they have sneakingly snuck their way into the wellness industry. And so now over the past handful of years, we have seen an increase in the wellness culture. And, you know, we're hearing buzzwords like holistic, balanced, and, you know, you're seeing, um, you know, an increase in influencers and people on social media, whether they're like credentialed or whether they're like coaches or more like MDs and medical professionals, but we're seeing this wave of naturopathic medicine and root cause is another buzzword that has been floating around recently, like getting to the root cause, hormone specialist, you know, balancing your hormones is something that's a huge craze right now. And while it is all great things and there's so much merit to so much information being put out there by these people, by the sector of the internet and of our wellness culture, there's a lot of it too that is just diet culture in disguise or there's some things that I believe have well intentions but still can lead us down the road of having some disordered behaviors around food, around health, and can kind of segue us into some areas that we really just don't want to be at for an overall healthy, intuitive, balanced, low-tox way of living, right? So we want to keep it simple, but we also want to keep it effective. So what I'm, I guess I would love to give some examples. So so you guys are thinking, okay, Amanda, well, what is this chunk? What are these things? Let me, let's break that down a little bit more. So maybe when you think of the wellness industry and the wellness sector and you think of social media you know you see these influencers you see these people online on instagram wherever and they're perpetuating this lifestyle of meditation every single day and you know working out x amount of times you know for x amount of time each day drinking my green smoothies having the right amount of supplements you know, doing this and doing that and they're dry brushing and they're getting acupuncture done or they're, you know, some people are saying I'm going completely 100% plant-based and then somebody's saying I'm, you know, going 100% meat-based and that's like the newest, one of the newest craves is that we're, we're just, we're not eating a bunch of plants and we're just eating mostly meats and then, you know, some people say that they're, giving up things like butter and um, like coconut oil, like avoid those things, only use avocado oil and um, olive oil. But then there's people who say, no, only eat butter. And, you know, you shouldn't be eating olive oil. They'll say, um, you know, like beans and legumes are not good, you know, things that contain lectins. But then people are saying, oh, gluten's bad for you as, as well. And then, You know, you just can find anything and everything on the internet to conflict the information that you've previously found. And there is a huge difference between a scientific study, an evidence-based study that has been conducted with, you know, solid principles, solid, you know, structure. There are ways to conduct evidence-based studies and ways not to. And then there's Articles, you know, if you're pulling up an article from the Washington Post and it's telling you that dairy products are bad, ask it like we well, can't really ask it, but look for its sources because it clearly the Washington Post clearly did not conduct its own study. 
but maybe Harvard University did. So always look for credible sources and really pay attention to where this information is coming from. But even though you look and you see that, hey, this is done based on an evidence-backed study, you know, this, this trials and, you know, the study was conducted in a very organized, non-biased way, that doesn't mean that it's still the best thing for you, right? So coming back full circle, I told you I wasn't getting in a tangent and here I am kind of going in left field already. So with all that to say, the wellness industry is is really starting to do what diet culture has always done. And that is put different foods and different items and different things in different categories. Like they're placing certain foods and oils and whatever in a quote quote good category while others in a quote quote bad category and you know we're we're just looking at it in a way of instead of it being for a purpose of losing weight and being healthy it's now just for being healthy because and again this is this part is not factual this is my perspective my my take on it but I'm fully believing it's because diet culture wanted you to buy into what they were selling basically because they had you convinced that a smaller body a lower weight equal directly an improved health outcome and now that we as a society know that that's not really true and we're not really buying into that anymore or at all now they're just trying to hone in on what we do want and that is optimal health right we want optimal health and we want to live a long healthy life we want to be free of pain free of chronic health conditions we want to be able to move around freely happily we want to be healthy for as long as possible and so they know that now and they know that we don't buy into diet culture so they're taking wellness culture and they're honing in on it they're honing in on it and and there's just all this influx of information and influx of information that is conflicting right but on the same side of this whole wellness culture, the the sad part is, or the good part, I guess I don't know, but you could say it either way. The, the thing is, is that a lot of this information does have really good merit. Like it is true, solid information. And that is the part that, you know, has you detoxifying your life and your body of these toxic chemicals. I am someone who firmly believes that as America, as a part of America, America does not want us to be healthy because if we are truly healthy, then we don't need them, you know, and the things, a lot of the things that they put in our foods and in our products are actually toxic just because they don't kill you in the moment, just because, you know, you can use it for you know, 50% of the year for five years and you don't feel like you're really having a reaction to it or that it's making you ill doesn't mean that it's not actually the cause or part of the cause of some of your chronic health conditions or just, you know, your headaches, your fatigue, whatever. And so they just put all these things out here and it's making, a lot of it is making us sick. And so a lot of what these wellness influencers are talking about actually have a lot of merit it's just 
navigating through that can be very, very messy. And this is where it gets messy to even try to have this podcast episode about because it's like, there's just so much to to unpack. So you have all this conflicting information, right? So let's pause and take a little bit of recap. So you have all this conflicting information. Some people say gluten's bad, dairy's bad. Some people say, you know, these oils over these oils, whatever, right? Veganism over animal products, animal products over everything, whatever you name it. All of that is going to have to be left up to you to decide. That's where the intuitive eating aspect and the intuitiveness of who you are individually and how your life is you're going to have to navigate that for yourself. What would be best for me is not going to be necessarily the best for you. You know, some people might give up gluten and it makes them feel wonderful. Some people might give up dairy and they feel perfectly fine. But some people might give up dairy and they're miserable, but they also still have their same health issues. So maybe that's not what's going on. And so, you know... It's just going to take a lot of trial and error sometimes for you to figure it out. But I don't want that to be a reason why you don't make any effort to decrease the toxins that you are exposed to on a daily basis. Because when these wellness influencers, when these health professionals, when this sector of the internet, when they start talking about things like balancing your hormones and getting to the root cause of things, a lot of it does have merit. But again... We have to be the champions of our own boat. We are only the only ones who can navigate our boat and get us from point A to point B the best, you know? Like, we definitely need to recoup the help of others because I and myself have not gone alone on my journey and I could not do it by myself. But I'm the one who knows what's going on the best, if that makes sense. So, like, when I'm employing the help of others and we implement something we try something we do something we test for something I'm the only one who can say how well something is working or how well it's not working how I'm feeling what makes me feel better what makes me feel worse am I actually giving it my all I'm the one fully in charge even with the help of others and so None of you would know this. I was about to say for some of you who may know, but none of you would know this. I've actually been working with a functional hormonal specialist and I've been, um, you know, being having undergoing several different tests and they're not tests that my regular MD would have prescribed to me or been able to. I don't even know if if she would have, but, um, you know, I have come off of the hormonal birth control uh, um, about a year and a half ago and after 15 plus years. And for those of you who, you know, you've pro- many of you have probably seen on the internet now on social media that the hormonal birth control is just one of the biggest disruptors for the female body. And it is just not something that I would ever recommend to anybody pretty much at this point, not without extreme caution. And, you know, there might always be exceptions where pros outweigh the cons, but I just, I can't imagine what those circumstances were. I mean, unless maybe life or death, but that's not what this podcast is about. However, I have since then been working with a functional hormone specialist to, um, in a very root cause naturopathic approach to, you know, rebalance my hormones. And so now there's so many products out there that people want you to just blindly take to help rebalance your hormones. And I actually tried to do that. I read a couple books and tried to go it alone solo. And it just, you know, it seemed like it was getting a little bit 
you know, better, but then it really wasn't. And yeah, so I would never recommend someone try to do that without taking tests and, and seeing what's really going on in their body. So I've been working with someone um, to go ahead and, you know, provide the appropriate tests and to, you know, interpret those test results and to help me come up with a plan to get myself feeling better and balancing my hormones. But with that, I still have to make my own intuitive decisions. Um, And one example is, you know, they provided me a meal plan and I just knew from the get-go, even though I I did kind of give it a go at the at the beginning, but I just knew it was not something that was sustainable for me. It's not something that I foresee myself doing for the long haul. I couldn't even make it a week. It, heck, I probably couldn't even have made it a day. And that's just not going to work for me. Um, so you definitely have to be the champion of your own life and your own journey, journey despite all of the help that you do get. And I'm only sharing this information with you because I feel like it's a great example because as part of the meal plan, a part of what they recommend, they're recommending like an insane amount of protein. And I'm talking like 160 plus grams a day. And I think that is absolutely insane. And I do not understand how that is humanly possible. And I know that a lot of you listening to this and so many people in the universe would be appalled right now at what I'm saying. And I also want to put out the disclaimer that I am no way, shape, or form certified or educated in nutrition at all. And this is my own personal just beliefs, opinion, experience, all of that. It's definitely not meant to be, you know, nutrition information, nutrition education, consultation, medical advice, none of that. So it's all just my perspective. But I firmly am a believer that we as Americans do not need, well as humans, really just don't need that much protein in a day. Uh, It is a very important macronutrient, but 160 grams a day I'm sure there's very unique cases where maybe that's appropriate, but for the average person, I really don't think so. Um, some of a lot of you might not be familiar with like the blue zones. That's um, something that has been, you know, increasingly aware, becoming more increasingly known about. Um, but the blue zones, which I'm probably going to do a whole other episode on this because it's so amazing. But in short, they're people who live well over the age of 100, well into their 90s and in their 100s, early 100s, extremely healthy, free of ailments. And there are these, you know, a handful of sectors all over the world because they're not just scattered everywhere. But there's these very specific places like Sardinia over in Italy. There's a place in Costa Rica. Um, and a few others where there are these people that live like this, that live well into their hundreds, and they're very, very, very healthy. Like, I mean, extremely healthy, like just extremely healthy. And they have studied the consistencies and the behaviors and the way of life in these different areas. And the cons- a lot of the consistencies are that their diet is completely opposite of the standard American diet. Not only in like the sense of, you know, prepackaged foods and, um, you know, like fast food, convenience food, things like that. 
I'm even talking about the standard American quote, quote, healthy wellness diet. You know, when they say like, this is what your standard healthy quote, quote, diet is supposed to look like in America because they actually eat very low protein and they don't really eat any meat. They're high carbs. They include gluten and they eat beans on a very regular consistent basis. They don't go to the gym. They walk everywhere. I mean, their lifestyle is just so different than what we perpetuate here in America, what we partake in here in America, but yet they're so much more healthier than we even can come close to. So it's hard for me to buy into the fact that protein is supposed to be consumed in that such high amount. Also, it shouldn't be that hard. Why would it be? It wouldn't be that hard for humans to consume that high amount of protein if it was meant to happen. Even if you took out all of the store-bought man-made packaged foods, what you're left with is a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables, animal meats, animal products. And if you made breads and things like that out of, and you made foods out of what was bio, bio, I don't know if that's really a word, bioly available like in the earth, on the earth. So you kind of think of like what our ancestors, so to say, would have dealt with they still would not have probably consumed meat in those high regards and those high amounts because you figure it would take them a lot of effort to hunt and kill a animal and then they would have to process and and use that animal and then that animal, that meat would be stretched to last over maybe the winter even, you know, like the season. And so they really would be left with grains and fruits and vegetables, right? And those are high carb foods. Those aren't low carb foods. They're not high protein foods. Usually maybe beans and things like that are if they had availability to beans, but you know, they weren't eating high amounts of protein like that. So that's just Amanda's perspective on, um, the high amounts of protein. So, and I forget even where I was going with that. Oh yes. So all of that to say like, so that's my opinion, right? And even though I'm working alongside a very educated, very amazing group of individuals that are specialized in hormones and 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 getting down to the root cause of stuff and I'm finding so much relief and so much I'm just learning so much I'm feeling so much better I'm learning from them but there's still things that they're saying to me that they're sharing with me that they're suggesting and recommending that I'm just like wait hold up hold up I'm I'm not sure about that and you know what I have tried many times in my entire life years ago dieting up until recently this past year to hit high amounts of protein and it's never feels good to me it never feels good to me in a mental from a mental standpoint trying to get all that in it's like stressful it's it's frustrating it's miserable but it's also I don't feel really great in my body when I like really force myself basically because that's what I'm doing to consume high 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 amounts of protein right so um side note if you're interested in the blue zones and you want to know more about this and you're interested in this concept about protein down to earth on Netflix actually has an episode where they go to a blue zone in Sardinia Italy and they explore it and they talk about it and it's amazing that was like my intro into the blue zones and I've deep dived into it since then um that's a little side note but so check that out if you're interested in that but I have had to take ownership of what I'm doing how I'm living my life because only I know how I feel 
it is perfectly okay for us to try things, to try to go dairy-free, to try to go gluten-free, to try veganism, to try, you know, eating mostly plant-based or um, (laughs) eating mostly animal products and high meat and whatever. We, there is no one size fits all. We're not going to know what's best for everybody. We just possibly can't. It's okay to try things. I want you to try things. That's how you're going to find out what feels best. And that's how being intuitive really works is trying and seeing and feeling and making the best decision for you based on how you feel. Of course, there's always going to be things that work differently for different people. That's just what makes us so great, right? And if you're 27 minutes into this podcast episode and you're thinking, okay, Amanda, but how does everything that you've just said tie into low-tox living? And how is this marrying intuitive eating and low-tox living? Well, because I don't want you to think that it has to be all or nothing, that when you look at others who might be living a holistic quote quote life and a low tox a organic lifestyle because i i personally follow some of these accounts that really do as much as i think that they are so great in educating people on so many amazing things they're also kind of perpetuating this idea that it's all or nothing and that you have to be all in in order to even remotely be effective at decreasing your toxic load every day and to improve your health for the long haul. And while of course the more that you can do, the more consistent that you are, the better. We are not a product of what we do one time. We are a product of our daily habits, of what we do consistently. But that is also not to say that no efforts are wasted. So maybe you, you're you not 100% all in like some people are, like some of these influencers are. I would be lying to you if I said that I was like, a, like some of these influencers where I avoided every single toxin period out there that I never went to a Chipotle and ate and ate lunch or ate dinner or that I never went out to a you know a family function and ate you know dinner that my grandma cooked and I have no idea what she what what ingredients she used she could have used inflammatory oils when she cooked it but I'm still gonna eat it so I would be lying to you if I said I was all in all a hundred percent all the time that is absolutely not the case and I would be completely lying to you and perpetuating an idea that is just false but I know how it can seem how these influencers make it seem and I've even heard these same wonderful, amazing people perpetuate that, you know, there is such thing as bad foods. Yes, there's such a thing as foods that contain toxins, but I I was about to go on a tangent that we'll save for another day. So with that being said, though, you can see how that can continue the correlation and the narrative in your mind of there's good foods versus bad foods and having guilt and shame and anxiety feelings around certain foods. So it really takes some healing, a lot of healing actually, and uh, really breaking up with diet culture, I feel like, before you can truly navigate low-tox 
living, more organic living, because you really need to be in a comfortable space where food doesn't really bring you guilt anymore. Because personally, when I started navigating my low tox journey uh, almost two years ago, after several years of breaking up with diet culture and becoming an intuitive eater, it really did, even like over the last year, to be honest, there have been some ups and downs, some ebbs and flows where I found myself having some of that food guilt with good versus bad quote, quote foods. And I really had to do a lot of work around that. Not, I mean, okay. I don't want to make it sound like it's a battle when I say I had to do a lot of work, but I just had to sit with a lot of thoughts and really think about some narratives and perspectives and, um, I know it can seem really challenging because we just live in a world, if you're living in America, if you're living someplace else, you know, different country overseas, if you're not in America, it it very well could be different because those countries actually ban a lot of the things that are in foods and in products over here in America. So it's a whole different ballgame. But if you're here in America, it's hard because we are bombarded every day, each and every day with Packaged foods, convenience foods, these toxic products for our beauty routine, our makeup, our hair care, our cleaning supplies, you name it, we're bombarded with them daily. So it can feel overwhelming to begin to start detoxifying your life and to reduce the amount of toxins you're putting into your body, putting on your body each and every day. But I don't want despair. Despite their good intentions, I don't want somebody on the internet who's educating you to also make you feel like it's not worth your time or that it's so stressful and so overwhelming that if you're not all in, then it's just worthless. And I don't want that to be the reason that you just forego it all because any effort that you make is is a magnificent effort because anything that you can do, anything that you're willing to do to decrease the toxins that you are exposed to on a daily basis will help you no matter what. No matter how small you think that is, it will help you tremendously in the long run. And it is a work in progress, and I don't ever want it to be overwhelming for you. It is one step at a time, one day at a time, one toxin at a time, one thing at a time. And that is why I've made it my mission to help it be much more simple than I feel a lot of people portray it to be. And, you know, they're they're definitely well-intended. I'm not trying to disrespect anybody out there, but it can just feel overwhelming. They throw it all at you and they don't, they just say, you know, like, these are bad, avoid them, here's some good alternatives, buy these products. But those products a lot of times can be expensive too. And so it's kind of like, well, how... How can we make low-tox living, living more organically and sustainably, also fit our budget? Because that's another area where I feel like they want your money. And that's where I think wellness culture and this whole industry also become similar to diet culture. And even if some of these products don't mean to be that way or they're not actually trying to be that way, they can still be costly even with all of their good intentions because it does cost more money in America to be a healthy, healthier, better quality product without all those toxins, without all those, you know, cheap, low quality products. That's pretty much how we became a country founded on a bunch of toxins in all of our products and all of our foods, most of them, because they want the most bang for your buck. They want to make a cheap product 
that costs so little to make that is cheaper for you because America wants cheaper things, right? So that's how they end up making things cheaper for the consumer. And that's how they keep their costs low, but also keeping their profits high by making products that suck, that are full of toxins. And that's pretty much how it goes. So if you want a product that's higher quality and less talk, less filled with toxins, full of no toxins, that sometimes comes with a price tag. But that does not mean that you have to be a millionaire to live a low-tox organic life and to decrease your toxic load. So it, it just can be overwhelming from a knowledge standpoint to knowing what to buy, what not to buy, what to look out for, how to not be fooled, to fitting it in your budget. And by the end of it all, I could totally understand why you just say, forget it, F it, I'm done, I can't do this, it's not for me, and I'm, you just don't even try. You just don't try. And I can totally understand how you get to that place because it would be overwhelming. It was kind of overwhelming for me at first too. But and I don't really know what kept me going. Maybe I, I have to say it was the fact that I've just, something had it, had me feeling so strongly about it. And maybe I just felt like if this was my mission and I just didn't know it yet. But here nor there, I totally understand. And I don't want it to be that way for you because I know it doesn't have to be that way. It just doesn't have to be. It can fit any budget and every budget. It can fit any and every lifestyle and it is for every single person. And I don't want it to be another diet. I don't want it to be something that is restrictive and dreadful and overwhelming and stressful for anybody. So that is a long, long, long way to say that that is what the mission of the Organic Buzz is, to help low tox, sustainable living, much more simple, much more manageable, much more fun and fitting for anybody and everybody's budget. And so that's, that's that, that's a lot. (laughs) And I think we're going to leave it at that because I could keep going forever. Again, there's so much to unpack around this topic, marrying the intuitive eating with the um, low tox living, but also, you know, dissecting the wellness culture. There's just so much, so, so much. And we will continue to unpack these different things and different parts of it. And we'll continue to have these conversations about what to look out for, different thoughts, different perspectives. I can't wait to start bringing more guests on or really guests in general to talk about some of these things and, and just really help you navigate making low tox or, or, well, making low tox organic living, uh, more sustainable living, something that's doable for you, something that is simple for you and something that you find yourself like, oh gosh, I'm actually doing this. So if you love this episode, if this sounds like the mission that is right up your alley, you're so on board, if you're liking it, or if there's something else that you would like to know, uh, definitely let me know. You can um, drop a a rating for the podcast, give it a thumbs up, leave a review. Um, I truly appreciate it. You can email me at theorganicbuzz at gmail.com or you can reach out on Instagram at theorganicbuzz. I always love to hear from you guys. I have an open door policy and I definitely leave no message unanswered. So uh, until next time, loves, until... Uh, we have another amazing conversation. My buzzy bees, you stay buzzing, stay happy, stay safe, and I love you all. Mm-hmm.